Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. Throughout my time in high school, I was a member of the track and cross country team. I didn't make that decision myself. My good friend, when we were freshmen, decided he was going to run cross-country, and he was the guy I kind of played games with, so I joined. It was a lot of fun, and I did okay, but while I'm a big fan of doing team activities, I really do enjoy them, the big problem was that I never felt comfortable with the whole thing. Even when we were doing really well or when I would win something, it never felt natural. And the reason why is because I did not feel comfortable in that environment as it would turn out, no matter how much success in that field I would have. When I was a senior, I would actually leave the sports program because of a teacher who came to me with an interesting proposition. He said that he had permission to reactivate what was called the challenge team, which was an academic team which would compete all across the state. Now, we'd had one at my school many years ago, and because of disinterest or funding cuts, they had gotten rid of it. So he had permission to start a new one, asked me if I was interested, and I thought, well, I have a lot of friends who would probably be really good at this. Well, let me give it a shot. I recruited what I thought were people who were a lot smarter than me, which seems like a good strategy, and we went to our first meet and won. When we were driving home on the bus, I felt so much more camaraderie. I felt so much more of a natural connection to these people that the next day I quit cross-country and had no interest in going back to it. I'm happy to say we would go on to win the county championships, and as team captain, I was very proud of that. I could also say that I was probably the least important member of the team. My specialty was pop culture and entertainment, and that was a very small portion of the questions that would be asked. wanted to bring this up because we all have our comfort levels, groups that we feel the most comfortable in. And I'm not saying that people who I ran with weren't good friends, and I would remain friends with all those people and would occasionally hang out with them, but I felt a natural bond in competition with the people who were on the challenge team, which I never got in the four years and, I guess, ten seasons of running that I had done before that with cross-country indoor and outdoor track. Sometimes you're forced into a group of people, and sometimes you get to decide where you want to be. And what I learned was that while there would be pressure for me to run, people wanted me to because I'd been doing it for so long, I made the decision that made me happy. And I think that everyone should do that, despite what you might think other people think of what you're doing. On today's show, we're going to talk about a movie about a group of people who might not have had much of a choice, but made the most out of it. We're going to talk about the film Revenge of the Nerds. We're going to talk about the production, a little bit about the people behind the movie, the plot, how well the film did. We'll talk a little bit about the soundtrack, its sequels, where you can get Revenge of the Nerds now, and of course, plans for Revenge of the Nerds in the future. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show.
Revenge of the Nerds was a 1984 comedy. It was a satire of college life. Its main stars are Robert Carradine and Anthony Edwards, although the film is filled with other great talent. It was directed by Jeff Canoe. Canoe would go on to make some other great films. He directed Gotcha and the underrated Tough Guys, as well as Troop Beverly Hills and V.I. Warshawski. When the producers had this movie ready to be made, they were trying to find the director at first, and Canoe had done some pretty good stuff in Eddie Macon's run. But the thing that got him the project was that the producers asked him what kind of movie he thought he could make given the subject matter, and he responded, one I would be embarrassed to have my name on. That is exactly what they were hoping for, and they hired him immediately. Now, I don't think that Canoe should be embarrassed about having his name on Revenge of the Nerds. It's an amazing film, and I think he's not giving himself enough credit when he says that. Or maybe he thought that the subject matter could not transcend what they had in mind. And if you have the time, you should really listen to the DVD commentary on the most special edition release because you'll hear a lot of interesting information about the film and its sort of improvised nature. So the talent behind this movie really made it the film that it is. Now, they wanted to film the movie at a college, and they had the University of Arizona on the line to do it. When the University of Arizona read the script, they were like, no way, we don't want this shot there. Eventually, the University of Arizona would let them shoot, and if you're a University of Arizona student or have been to their campus, you'll notice a lot of locations, and if you happen to be going to the University of Arizona at the time, you might have been an extra in the film. The film has some wonderful talent. We'll talk about them in a couple of minutes. A lot of these people were very young at the time, and most of them did not even want to be involved in the film when they read it. But the great thing about young actors is that a lot of them are very hungry and struggling, so you can land some very amazing talent before they would break through and become something else. So you get them making films like Revenge of the Nerds and lifting the entire production up because of their talent. An interesting story by Curtis Armstrong, who would play Booger in the film. He was a friend of Bronson Pinchot, who you might remember from Perfect Strangers and Beverly Hills Cop. When he was offered the role of Booger, he said to his friend, There's no way I'm going to pick my nose on camera for anyone. Well, a paycheck goes a long way to getting you to pick your nose on camera. Today's show is brought to you by Furniture. Furniture. It's what you do stuff on. To furnish your home Chairs and couches Beds and lamps Rugs and kitchen chrome Everything that you will need To make your house a home So let us furnish the furniture To furnish your home Love that furniture. So exterior scenes of the nerds at college were filmed at the University of Arizona in Tucson. The original residence where the nerds are at the very beginning of the film is called Cochise Hall, and then they were put into Bear Down Gymnasium, just in case you're ever at the University of Arizona. You can check all these out. 
The original Alpha Beta fraternity, the one that gets burned down, was shot at the Beta Theta Pi House on University Boulevard, and the Pi House was the Phi Delta Theta fraternity house. Got all that? So let's talk a little bit about the plot of the film. Two best friends, Louis Skolnick and Gilbert Lowe, played by Robert Carradine and Anthony Edwards, enroll in Adams College, where they're going to study computer science. When they get there, their first day, the Alpha Betas, which is a fraternity completely separate from them, and filled with most of the football team, burn down their house. Because they're so important, they get to move into the freshman dorm, and these two guys, along with every other freshman, are moved to the gymnasium. Because of the unusual circumstances, these freshmen are allowed to pledge fraternities. And I guess Greek life is very important at Adams College because almost immediately, Everyone in the dorm is taken away and enrolled in some fraternity, except for a core group of rejects. Since they can't find anybody to take them in, they decide to start their own house and actually join a black fraternity, Lambda Lambda Lambda. There's a whole bunch of funny and uplifting moments and a building montage that shows the house getting built up. And then they decide to hold a party where they invite the head of their fraternity to see how well they represent the organization. When this happens, a prank is played on them by the Alpha Betas, and at this point, they vow revenge. A whole bunch of really fun revenge things happen, and it doesn't help because the Alpha Betas are in charge of what's called the Greek Council. And the only way to take the Greek Council is to win these Greek games. The nerds use their intelligence and creativity to win the games, and it still doesn't matter because... The Alpha Betas strike back yet again, but at this point, Gilbert and Lewis show up at the college pep rally and take a stand, and everybody joins in, and basically the nerds win the day. A very magical moment. And now, this message. Starlog Magazine takes you on incredible science fiction trips into the world of Star Trek, into space, video games, and into the Star Wars galaxy, into the future for previews of new movies and TV programs. Starlog Magazine shows you special effects secrets, blueprints and robots, spaceships and aliens, interviews with writers, movie makers, heroes, and villains. Starlog is the most popular science fiction magazine in the solar system. Buy Starlog at any newsstand or subscribe now and save money. For six fantastic issues, mail $14.98 to Starlog, Box 4948, Atlanta, Georgia, 30359. That's Starlog, Box 49648, Atlanta, Georgia, 30359. Send your order this week, and we'll also include a free science fiction surprise gift. Enter the fantastic world of Starlog, a magazine of the future. <laughs> the cola nut. All colas start with a Coke, Pepsi, and like a cola. The difference is, once Coke and Pepsi catch a cola nut, they add caffeine to the poor little guy. Like lets him stay pretty much caffeine-free. Like's 100% real cola from the cola nut. Deep, rich, and delicious. Hey, our pal's gonna make it! Hey, how'd you do that? Oh, it's all in the wrist. As I mentioned earlier, a lot of the stuff in the movie is actually improvised by these young actors and I cannot speak highly enough of the 
audio tracks on the DVD release. Listen to the cast commentary because you'll learn a whole bunch of things about your funniest jokes and how they were just sort of made up on the spot. You'll also see that on the release there was deleted scenes, a whole subplot where the nerds visit the Tri-Lambda National Conference in Vegas. And while there, the nerds are obviously outcasts, even there amongst their brothers. And I could see maybe why they took this out, because it's just too much to see. And it sort of dulls the feeling of inclusion at the very end of the film when their Lambda brothers come to their aid. A little bit about the cast. You had Robert Carradine as Louis Skolnick. Carradine's probably best known for his work on Revenge of the Nerds. He's from a very famous family of actors, the Carradines. His first film role was in 1972 film The Cowboys, where he got to play opposite John Wayne. He would go on to work with some amazing actors, but when it comes down to it, I think that his role as Louis Skolnick is the one that everybody's going to always remember. Anthony Edwards would play Gilbert Lowe. American actor, appeared in some amazing films, including Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Top Gun, probably best known for his work on Revenge of the Nerds and in ER. Curtis Armstrong played Dudley Booger Dawson. He's wonderful on Revenge of the Nerds. He was also great as Herbert Viola on Moonlighting and recently was in Ray and does the voice of Snot on American Dad. Very talented. Great voice. Timothy Busfield played Arnold Poindexter. Guy Constantly Works was on the drama 30-something and had a recurring role as Danny Cannon on The West Wing. Would win an Emmy Award in 1991. Not a lightweight. Larry B. Scott played Lamar Luttrell. I remember him from Revenge of the Nerds, of course. But you'll see him makes lots of television appearances, small roles. Recently, I just spotted him in Seinfeld. Also, if you watch Karate Kid, he's one of the first competitors to lose to Daniel LaRusso in the film's finale, so watch that. He's also in the movie Iron Eagle. Great actor. Andrew Martin Cassese played Harold Wormser, who was the 12-year-old wonderkind of the Lambda 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 fraternity. Personally, I haven't seen much of him lately. In 2007, he was in a stage production of Nerds, a musical software satire, where he played Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen. Brian Tochi played Takasha Toshiro, if you recognize him from Revenge of the Nerds, you might also recognize him from the Police Academy movies, where he played Tomoko Nagata in the third and fourth films of the series. He was also the voice of Leonardo in the first three live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle films. Michelle Mayrink played Judy, who was Gilbert's girlfriend. She actually won the role versus some pretty big names now, maybe not at the time, Jamie Gertz, Joan Cusack, Sarah Jessica Parker... She also played Jordan Cochran in the 1985 film Real Genius, and she was great in that film, too. In the non-nerd roles, you had Ted McGinley as Stan Gable. McGinley needs no introduction. If there's a TV show that's about to go off the air, you've probably seen him. He was in Married with Children, Happy Days, Love Boat, plus hundreds of guest starring roles on lots of different things. He's Ted McGinley. Donald Gibb played Ogre character actor, big guy, recently playing a Viking on those Capital One credit card commercials, although working in lots of other things. Matt Salinger, who would play Captain America in the first Captain America movie back in 1990, was one of the jocks, Danny Burke. Julia Montgomery played Betty Childs, a cheerleader, and Stan's girlfriend, who would eventually become Lewis's girlfriend. Lots of different roles in TV shows like Magnum P.I., Cheers, 
She was also in the film Up the Creek. If you're a fan of 80s comedies, you should definitely see Up the Creek. She would also reprise her role as Betty Childs in Revenge of the Nerds 3. And we'll talk a little bit about the sequels later. Rounding out the cast, you had John Goodman as Coach Harris. John Goodman from Roseanne and all those Coen Brothers movies. The Big Lebowski, amazing guy. David Wool played Dean Ulick, prolific character actor. Bernie Casey played U.N. Jefferson, president of the National Lambda 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 Fraternity. James Cromwell played Mr. Skolnick. James Cromwell, L.A. Confidential, The Green Mile, Star Trek First Contact. That guy works like crazy. He had a great cast, well-directed, a great plot. The film was released on July 20th, 1984, and the week it came out, it would be number 11 at the box office. That week, it would earn $1.5 million. Now, Y 11th, it came out against some pretty strong films that were still in the theaters. You had Ghostbusters, you had Gremlins, you had The NeverEnding Story, The Karate Kid, The Last Starfighter, The Muppets Take Manhattan, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom was still in theaters, Bachelor Party, Conan the Destroyer, that was all in the top 10. So it's no wonder that the film would finish in 11th, but it had a lot of good buzz and a lot of people who took it very seriously. It had an $8 million budget, and it would go on to gross almost $40.1 million. It didn't hurt that the film got good coverage on MTV, and that was because of its sort of proper demographic aiming, and also it had a pretty good soundtrack. It had people like Yaya, Bone Symphony, The Robinos, and Andrea and Hop Mink on the official soundtrack release. I just want to point out that if you watch the film, you'll see a Devo poster on the wall of the Trilam house, and in it, the band members are wearing their energy domes. While Devo would not contribute anything to the first film, in the second film in the series, Devo would contribute music. And now, these messages. Big question about new nerd cereal is... Which side? Are you gonna eat Orange flavor on this side. Orange. Cherry flavor on this side. Cherry. So... Which side? Are you gonna eat first? They're both so delicious, I can't decide. New Nerd cereal is the fruity good part of your complete breakfast. Which side are you gonna eat first? Which side are you gonna eat first? Also available in grape and strawberry. Nerds. You've read about it, you've heard about it. But until now, you've never had a better chance to own it. It's the RCA Video Disc Player. The remarkable machine that plays records of movies, concerts, and more on your TV. And to help you be one of the first to own one, RCA is offering a $50 introductory bonus. Buy one now and you'll get $50 direct from RCA. What's more, a special 10-day money-back offer is available at selected RCA dealers. But hurry, you may never have a better chance. As I mentioned, Devo contributed music to the second film, and there would be four Revenge of the Nerds films. Only four characters would appear in all four films, Lewis, Mr. Skolnick, Lamar, and Booger. The second film was called Revenge of the Nerds 2, Nerds in Paradise. Would not do as well as Revenge of the Nerds in theaters. It's basically kind of a rehash of the original film, but it lacks Gilbert in any significant way. He's sort of uh, Obi-Wan of the group, eliminated early and appearing from a distance. They decide to kind of reboot the franchise in 92 with Revenge of the Nerds 3, The Next Generation, and then 
The fourth one was Revenge of the Nerds 4, Nerds in Love, which was interesting because as a made-for-TV movie, they decided to do a scratch-and-sniff thing where they would release these sniff cards that you would use during your watching of it, and it would give you an idea of what the nerds were smelling. Between Revenge of the Nerds 2 and Revenge of the Nerds The Next Generation, they decided to try to make a Revenge of the Nerds TV show. It did not do very well. It was not very good. It aired on Fox in 1991, and almost everyone was pretty negative. And if you want to see the pilot for this, you should get the special edition, the Panty Raid DVD release that I've been talking about, because they have that pilot on that, and it's interesting to watch, and you could see perhaps why it didn't catch on. video release of the Panty Raid edition was on January 3rd, 2007. It is pretty excellent and definitely worth owning. Revenge of the Nerds had an interesting outgrowth in that it inspired real-life chapters of the Lambda 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 fraternity to spring up. It's a made-up fraternity, but no longer. There are currently five chapters in Connecticut, Maryland, New York, and Washington. So from a film, Grew Brotherhood. Star Wars, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, The Sound of Music. In the tradition of these great films about fighting back against the odds, 20th Century Fox presents another milestone in motion picture history. Revenge of the Nerds. 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 Nerds! What is a nerd? (laughs) They've been laughed at. Picked on. There's a roommate, pal! And put down. I'm not kissing a nerd. They don't have the moves. Or the muscle. You know karate? I know. Good. But they've got the brains. I know what we're gonna do. It's time for the odd (laughs) to get even. Their action tonight demands an immediate retaliation. How many cameras do we have left? This should do it. Oh, here she comes. Go up, go up. Oh, no. That nerd saw me naked. (laughs) Nerd! Are all nerds as good as you? Revenge of the nerds. Their time has come. I drink to that. Around 2005, the web was buzzing with talks of a Revenge of the Nerds remake. They actually started shooting the film. The cast included Adam Brody, Katie Cassidy, Kristen Cavallari, Ryan Pinkston, and Ephraim Ramirez. It was directed by Kyle Newman and was supposed to be executive produced by McGee. 
They actually started filming this film, but after two weeks of filming, the dailies weren't that good, and in 2006, the film was shelved. If you're a fan of the film, you might be happy or bummed to hear that 20th Century Fox, who has the rights to the film, has stated that it's highly unlikely that a remake will happen anytime in the future. All depends on what you think of remakes. What I like about Revenge of the Nerds is that it's a story of empowerment. It's also very funny and well done. But it also has a message. Throughout the film, the nerds seek revenge against the jocks. And they do it very effectively. They play their game. Yet every time they play their game, it just never ends. And then it takes a moment at the end where Gilbert comes up and confronts not just the jocks, which he'd been doing, but everyone challenges their preconceived notions and asks them to pick a side, asks them how they feel, who do they really feel comfortable with. And when he does so, his earnestness is what wins them over. The revenge becomes not becoming like them, but instead just being yourself and letting everybody decide that you are the better person. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear during the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. If you have a moment and you're on iTunes, if you wouldn't mind stopping by the iTunes store and giving the Retroist podcast a rating, we really would appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. So go ahead, put us down. One of these days, we'll turn it around. Won't be long, mark my word. Time has come for Revenge of the Nerds. This has been a Retroist production. Goodbye.